yesterday, my brother and I were returning from a road trip to Homer, Louisiana. And as I pulled into a gas station uh, for fuel, and of course the customary snacks that go along with a trip like that, I, I noticed that there was a man at the corner of the parking lot sitting on a worn out backpack, holding a sign that said, homeless and hungry. Cars and trucks just drove right past him without stopping. And, um, and I'm ashamed to say so did I. After all, I didn't know him. I didn't know if his needs were legitimate. I didn't know what his situation was or if it was even true. And besides all that, um, I was in a hurry to get home because I had a sermon to write. But as I was filling the tank with fuel, I started thinking about the parable from today's gospel. And I began to wonder and even worry just a little bit. I thought, is that man Lazarus? And am I the rich man? Will he one day be comforted in the bosom of Abraham while I am in torment? I really don't think that's the meaning of this parable, but just in case, I stopped and I gave him some money anyway. <laughs> so I thought, again, does that now mean that uh, uh, that reserves a place for me with Abraham also? Or will I be separated by a chasm? Uh, you know, something, a, a big gulf that is set between us that neither one of us can cross. Was that money, was it enough? Or should I have given more? The questions seemed to be endless and unanswerable. So I decided to stop asking myself these literal questions and focus on what we can spiritually learn from today's parable. And I think the first thing that we can learn from our gospel uh, is that God is concerned about the poor and expects us also to be concerned. That is clear throughout Scripture uh, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. As Christians, uh, we reveal God's uh, presence in our lives by sharing God's concerns and by ordering our lives in a similar way. That does not mean, however, that the poor are our ticket to get into heaven. It means we help the poor. We feed the hungry, house the homeless, care for the sick, visit prisoners, and work for justice because that's simply who and how God's people are to be. The question isn't what's in it for us, but what's in it for them. What does our Christianity, our, our faith, our experience of Jesus Christ offer them. The second thing we can learn from this parable is that there is a relationship between this life and the next. The choices we make, the words we speak, and the actions we take in this life have consequences in the next life. However, this story is not a judgment that rich people go to hell and poor people go to heaven. Also, this story isn't so much about our future, but about our present lives. 
It's about how we live here and now. It's a, it's a reminder that our lives are connected and intertwined with each other. In the words of St. Anthony the Great, our life and our death is with our neighbor. Finally, we learn that maybe we're just a bit too quick to judge ourselves as the rich man and those who are in need, judge them as Lazarus. Those may be accurate labels or descriptions for a particular day, but they may not be accurate on a different day. Circumstances and situations change. Things happen, right? At some point in our lives, we have probably all been both the rich man and Lazarus. We can all probably name times in our lives when they were good, when they were full and easy. And likewise, we can name times when uh, we've been, we felt a little, uh, a little destitute, a little broken, uh, sorrowful, and suffering. But really, I don't think this parable is asking us to make judgments about who is the rich man and who is Lazarus. Instead, it's asking us to acknowledge and deal with the real problems, which are the issues that separate us from each other. If you notice, throughout the parable, there's one constant, and that is separation. In the beginning of the parable, Lazarus was on one side of the gate, hungry, full of sores, and unable to get up and walk. On the other side of the gate was the rich man who was dressed in fine clothing, purple fine clothing. He sat at the table and he, he fared sumptuously. He ate really good food every day. But by the end of the story, Lazarus was sitting comforted in the bosom of Abraham on one side of a great chasm. And the rich man was standing and tormented on the other side. You see, brothers and sisters, the gate and the chasm are the same thing. The chasm that separates Lazarus and the rich man in the next world is simply a manifestation of the gate that separated them in this world. Likewise, the gate that separates and divides us in this world is not a condition of circumstances or categories, rich or poor, black or white, gay or straight, Muslim or Christian, or any other category that you would like to add to this list. The gate is a condition of the human heart. The gate that becomes a chasm always exists within us before it exists between us. That means we must examine our own heart to find the gates that separate us from ourselves, from our neighbors, from our enemies, those we love, and ultimately God. So what are those gates for you? What are those gates for me, for this parish, for the parish of Our Lady of Walsingham, for the United States? What are those gates? What, what gates do we live with? Are they gates of fear, anger, greed, pride, prejudice, loneliness, sorrow, addiction, busyness, indifference, apathy, resentment, envy, cynicism? You get the idea, right? 
there's a lot of possibilities for the gates that are within us. We all have them, but that's not how we are intended to live. That's certainly not how Jesus lived. Friends, I don't rightly know what gates that we all carry within us, but I know this. Every time we love our neighbor as ourselves, every time we love our enemies, every time we see and treat one another as created in the image and likeness of God, gates are opened and chasms are filled in. I can't give you detailed instructions on how to do these things. It's a choice set before us every day. It can happen in our marriages and families, at work and school, or for me on the corner of a parking lot right off the exit of I-20. And it can happen in our prayers for the world. It can happen in the most intimate relationships or with strangers and even with our enemies. It's not easy work, but it is possible. Our Lord demonstrated this work in his life, death, and resurrection. Because in those moments of redemption, Gates were opened and chasms were filled. And likewise, Christ's love, mercy, grace, and presence makes it possible for us to open our gates and ensure that they do not become chasms. This is our work, and it is for the salvation of the world in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.